Hello again, everyone. Welcome to LJN Radio and this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and we're taking a look today at the gaming industry. Now, as you may know, many of those who play video games and the people developing them often lean heavily toward men. Unfortunately, as more women have come into the gaming industry, well, they've experienced a range of problems from discrimination and sexism up to bullying and even serious death threats. Well, my guest today is Brianna Wu. She's a video game developer and co-founder of Giant Space Cat, which is an independent video game development studio. Now, she's been at the forefront uh, speaking out against the industry's practices and the things that have been going on. And in turn, Brianna has been bombarded with death threats as well. So she's here to discuss what exactly is going on. Brianna, thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Well, I wanted to start things off by going back a ways into your memory and really just ask you, first of all, in terms of your interest in video games, uh, gaming in general, how did it start? When did it start? Take us back to where it all began for you. Sure. You know, my um, my mother actually made the uh, terrible decision to buy me a <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment System nice. in 1985. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was all downhill from, from there. You know, my grades suffered. It's so funny because they kept telling me, oh, Brianna, you got to take school more seriously. Uh-huh. And here I am today. <laughs> like, it seems like I made the right choice. But no, you know, I grew up in a, a rather small southern town. And, you know, it was all about football and mm-hmm. who's day who and small town politics. And I just kind of tuned all that out and found you know, the world of video games to be immensely more interesting. In particular, when I started to see video games like you know, Super Mario 2 or Metroid or you know, going a little bit later to like Final Fantasy VI right. that really had very strong women in them. Mm-hmm. That was when I just got beyond hooked. And that's kind of led to this lifelong passion of wanting to you know, represent really strong, powerful women in video games. Sure. No, I think that's really cool to hear that. And uh, of course, I'm using that you said, you know, oh, you better pay attention in school. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> it was the video games that actually pulled you through here and, and gave you a career. Looking back at that time, obviously, you said your family, your mother had gotten the system. Did you ever get the sense or the feeling from anyone else that you shouldn't have been doing this or that it was looked down upon because simply because you were a girl? Or did you not get that sense when you were younger? Oh, you know, I got this sense constantly from from my parents that I needed to, you know, worry more about very serious things. Like I remember um, my dad sitting down with me and saying, you know, I think you'd be much better off being an actuarial instead of worrying about this Ah. technical art um, (laughs) stuff you're obsessed with. But I do also have to say, like, my the reason I have computer skills is because my mother was an immensely technical, very strong, interesting woman. Okay. You know, she grew up in a very poor town in the South. And, you know, my dad got his medical degree and opened up an office. And from there, she actually bought a computer in the early 80s, which were very, very expensive to do accounting and things like that. And the way I got my computer skills were sitting on the floor and like helping my mom figure out how to upgrade hard drives and sound (laughs) cards and get software installed, which was much more complicated in the early 80s. You know, I really have my parents to thank for this. One of one of the best things they've ever did for me is, um, I think it was 1998, and 
they bought me what would be considered an indie dev kit today for the Sony PlayStation 1, which, if I remember correctly, was about $3,000 at the oh, time. Oh, jeez. And, you know, they just bought that for me and said, hey, go figure it out. So nice. it was this mix of being supportive and, and not supportive, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it definitely does. And I obviously, um, you know, I can't really acknowledge and understand the experience that you went through there. But I think I think people can somewhat relate to it and, and kind of that push and pull dynamic of it. Of course, we do want to fast forward to today. You, of course, are successful in all of this type of area. Unfortunately, there are some aspects to it that have been negative, especially in recent times. It's a male-dominated industry when you talk about gaming and you talk about anywhere with tech and engineering. We see that a lot with all the interviews that we do. What would you point to, though, are the main issues in relation to women when it comes to the industry of gaming as well as the games themselves? Because obviously you've thrown yourself into that also. It's a really interesting challenge here. You know, the the truth is the game industry is not filled with, you know, men from the Mad Men era, like chomping on a cigar, talking about (laughs) how women shouldn't be here. You know, most of the men here, they're good people. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, what this field has is um, what psychologists call unconscious bias. Mm. And, you know, this this manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who works for a very, very, very large game development company. And even though she has a, a massive background in programming, they kind of shoved her off to the community management department. And it's just assumed that women belong in certain roles here mm-hmm. and, and don't belong in others. Let me give you a fantastic example. Sure. Um, you know, game Informer is one of the most important journalistic enterprises in game development. And you know, at that site, 18 out of 19 of their editors are men. Oh wow. And you know, it's not that Andy McNamara, the person running that site, is a bad guy that doesn't want to give women a fair shot. It's all this institutional, you know, inertia, this kind of you know getting in the way. And I think what you see in tech a lot is men tend to hire mirrors of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's really something very difficult to get past. I mean, even yesterday, Apple had a a huge keynote for the Apple Watch. And I couldn't help but notice with all the women I know that work at Apple, basically no women in technology got a chance to speak on stage, Hmm. though, you know, a supermodel did. (laughs) There's no disrespect to her. Sure. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's that cultural inertia towards this issue. Right. So would you say, I mean, you said obviously there's that unconscious bias to it. Do you notice more than within the gamers themselves that there's blatant animosity and and maybe some feelings of being intimidated by the females that are involved? I mean, how does that play as far as the relationship between the developing side versus the people who are actually buying and playing the games? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that gamers themselves have a frankly terrible, virulently sexist problem right now. Let me give you a perfect example. Yesterday, I'm reading the news, and um, this very famous uh, historical battle game comes out, and they put out a free DLC patch in response to you know International Women's Day yesterday. Right, it's basically taking a fresh look at history and you know bringing women into basically having some gameplay about the roles women have played in these events, and you get like just the world's worst angry comments from people. They're very very threatened. Mm-hmm by that idea of just simply representing accurately and historically what women have done. And sadly, these these gamers are very intimidated by women in their space. Um, they're very loud. And you know, frankly, they're, they're very dangerous. 
it's really weighing heavily on every single woman I know in this field right now. So if you think about it, we're really hit from two directions. Right. You know, we have the unconscious discrimination in our professional lives where we're kind of kept at bay from certain high-level roles and showed the door repeatedly. And then outside of that, with the players that are actually playing our product, there's a lot of extreme hostility there. Right. How much of this goes into the games themselves? Obviously, there are going to be sexual elements to it. And I know I've seen where even you've commented or others have how oftentimes it's the damsel in distress idea. You know, they may be clothed in certain ways that are just like, wow, is that necessary? Does that continue to add on to the issue in your mind? And is that something you'd like to see turned around a little bit? I think it's a complex issue. I mean, I don't want to censor those kinds of games, but I also don't think you can have 30 years of women being damsels in distress and sex objects and all these. There's a really disturbing trope happened in two really major games last year, Shadows of Mordor and Watch Dogs, Mm -hmm. where a woman is murdered at the beginning of the game to set a man off on a, a vengeful quest. I don't think you can have 30 years of women being portrayed like that and not have consequences for it. So I think it's one of those things where people outside of the industry that maybe aren't gamers actually see the issue with more clarity than I think hardcore gamers do. Hmm. I think anyone outside the industry that looks at games can go, wow, they don't really represent women the best way. (laughs) It's sometimes kind of shocking. Yeah, I feel like we're so inculcated to it being hardcore gamers at this point. We just can't. It's like we're drowning in this bad representation and we can't see it. Now, you alluded to, obviously, the impact it has on all women in the industry. Obviously, in speaking with you and I've seen the articles, I've seen your comments on some of the threats you've gotten. Can you just fill people in a little bit? I mean, without necessarily going into too many details, but what you have had to go through, especially when you've tried to stand up for other people and, and yourself in the industry and, and just the actual, I mean, real threats that are coming out. These aren't people necessarily joking around, even though they might say they are. Uh, I don't think you can really take it that way. No. Um, you know, just to tell this story very quickly, sure. six months ago, another Boston game developer named Zoe Quinn basically had an ex-boyfriend publish a blog of hearsay and, and innuendo about her private life in an effort that he stated was to discredit her professionally. Mm-hmm. And then these very sexist elements that you know we were talking about a few moments ago have really been fueled by this. And it's like sexism and you know the portrayal of women in games has kind of been this pot that's been boiling on the stove, and now it's set the entire kitchen on fire. So what has happened is a lot of high-profile women in games, including myself, have been um, targeted targets of you know just unprecedented harassment, death threats, rape threats. Personally, I've had 40, 49 you know death threats in the last um, wow. you know six months working with the FBI, Homeland Security on that. It's a real atmosphere of terror. Mm-hmm. You know, Massachusetts journalist Peter Cohen you know very accurately described this as emotional terrorism. Because the idea is to like scream and to threaten and to harass women until we simply choose to be silent. Just to give one more very quick example, I had people that threatened to blow up PAX East if I attended this weekend. Right, right. Which, you know, I had people joking about blowing me up with a a pressure cooker, which isn't funny at all in the aftermath of the Boston bombing. So I end up having to withdraw my team from the event because they don't feel safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And I go to the event, and then we have members of PAC security following me around, taking pictures of me when I'm not knowing, and then retweeting statements about getting a knife and going in for the kill. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's just a tremendously terrifying situation. I mean, it's it's the thing that's most frightening is the the issues I'm talking about. You know, basically hiring more women in games. It seems like the response to it is completely disproportionate. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's obviously. I think anybody listening just. I hope they are a little disgusted by hearing that. And and you know, yeah. as you said, you're just you're you're doing your a you're doing your job, and b you're just looking to help. In a lot of cases, women who are looking for jobs like this, and um, to, for people to take it to that level, it's it's quite incredible. I did want to touch on you brought up PAX East, and for those who don't know, that's really in, in the ultimate event, one of the ultimate events when it comes to gaming. As you mentioned, you decided not to have a booth there for your company. But you did attend, you made a couple of public appearances. I guess walk us through your reasoning in deciding to still show up and speak yourself, despite all the threats that were happening, despite everything that's weighing on you, that you felt, hey, I still have to do this. Walk us through your reasoning. Well, one of the things I think is important here is respect for my teammates. Mm -hmm. Giant Space Cat is a company of mostly women. So our culture is different than, I think, other game development teams. I describe us as hyper-collaborative, and we have immense respect for one another here. And, you know, if you don't respect your teammates, like, you need to find another place to work. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we just, that's our culture here. To tell you the story, just honestly, like I was full steam ahead on PAX. You know, we've gone in previous years. I just wasn't thinking about it. And he and my team came to me and they go, Brianna, we need to talk about this. We respect what you're doing. But as far as us going, we don't feel safe Mm -hmm. doing this. You know, I might mention, you know, like one of my employees, she's going to have a child in a month and a half. Um, Another one has a three-year-old daughter. Mm. When I have my team saying this doesn't feel safe to us, which is a very reasonable statement with, you know, now 49 death threats in six months. You know, as their leader, I have to hear that and respect it. That's a different question than can I, Brianna Wu, follow through on my professional commitments? Sure. I had um, made this agreement to go do PAX programming, which is a, a very big deal professionally. I felt like I needed to respect the people at PAX that had given me that shot, as well as the people I'd agreed to do programming with, that I needed to follow through on that. So um, I did go. We were, PAX was very nice, gave me security. But you know, at the same time, we have this very troubling event with you know one of the PAX enforcers, someone that's actually paid to provide security for attendees, right. joking about murdering me and walking around and photographing me. That's tremendously disturbing. You know, I can tell you, I actually, after that happened, I didn't go to PAX beyond my one panel that I had after that at that point. So one of the things with this is I've never done this before and mm-hmm. you know, there aren't any rules. I'm just trying sure. to make the best I can of a very bad situation. Yeah, I can't even imagine going through that and still trying to be successful with what you do and with what you're good at. I think that's the unfortunate part of people that yeah. will miss out on on this. And not for only you, but your employees and for them to have to feel that way as well. And any women who might be threatened in this case. And that's something I wanted to ask as well. How have you been able to deal with all this and still do your job, still speak out? Uh, because I've seen comments from people how they say, you know, I'd hide in my closet, never come out if I was getting these kind of threats. I mean, because again, these are serious threats. These are very specific things. You mentioned the the enforcer that's supposed to be essentially protecting you and others and making those comments. How do you deal with that? How do you get through each day? How do you still do your job well? It's It's the biggest struggle I've ever had. The way I do it is a trick that Massachusetts journalist by the name of Maddie Myers taught me. She says she just keeps putting stuff on her calendar so she can't quit. <laughs> so that's the way I do it. One of the things that's hardest for me personally is, you know, my career isn't just about me anymore. Mm-hmm. Taking such a public stand on this, you know, if I were to 
quit. You know, it's not just about me anymore. It's about all women in this field. So, you know, what I do is I, I just try to reach within myself and to just keep moving forward. And, you know, I feel like I'm making a difference. And I've had really difficult conversations with my husband where I've looked him in the eye and I've said, Frank, you know, we've had some really serious death threats here. You know, is this worth risking our lives, you know, risking our lives for? And, you know, we've talked about it and we feel very strongly. And we think like we've been put in a position where we can make this better for, for everyone. And, you know, I feel honored to you know, be able to step up for women in this field and, and not budge. I think it's just incredibly important. I had a, um, an 11th grader that wrote me on Friday, you know, and she was talking about how much she wanted to go into games, but she was terrified of the harassment. And she said, seeing my example you gave her the strength and now she's all in and she's going to go make games. And we're actually going to have a conversation later about having her come intern at my company. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And amazing stuff that hopefully, again, you know, you and everyone else involved continues with that fight. Do you, have you ever gone to the point of feeling like, I know you mentioned talking with your husband there, um, but just feeling like, oh, we're losing hope or losing the battle. How many conversations have you had where it's felt like maybe it's not worth it? Uh, every day. Really? Every day. Wow. And, you know, I have to have those conversations in private. Sure. At the end of the day, there are really only four women on the planet. There are three other women that know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You know, they're Randy Harper, Anita Sarkeesian, and Zoe Quinn. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard. What's What I think is the hardest thing is I'm in the middle of a very public battle. Right. You know, I'm very much in the public eye. And, you know, I'm also in one of the most stressful events of my life. And it's very hard to be, have perfect dignity and, you know, to have perfect judgment in the middle of those events. So I'm doing the best I can, but it's imperfect. You know, at the end of the day, I just, you know, something that really drives me psychologically is, you know, like I said, I grew up in the South. Right. Mississippi specifically. And growing up, I've seen a lot of racism, mm-hmm. a lot of sexism. And you know, I've seen people that just kind of weren't willing to stand up for what's right. I feel like this has been the moment where for me personally, it's it's time to show my character. And you know, that that's really what drives me. I, f- I feel like this is very important. Brianna, truly amazing stuff. I wanted to give you the floor here at the end. Anything you would like to say in regards to possibly the steps that could be taken to help resolve these issues within the industry? I mean, I'm sure you've had these conversations with plenty of people or anything else you just want to leave our listeners with who may be young women, may be women in careers that are a little more, not necessarily to the threats that you're getting, but they're male dominated. They feel bullied. They feel pressured. Anything you would want to give our listeners to close out the show with? Absolutely. You know, if you're a young woman out there listening to this and you want to go into game dev or even an older woman, you know, I want to promise you, we will make this better for you. You have women that are just weird. I think if anything, Gamergate has pushed us to the point where, you know, we just are not going to sit down and take the sexist nonsense anymore. And I promise you, if you find the strength within yourself to go into this amazing, rewarding field, I will be standing beside you and the other women of this field will be standing beside you. As far as the steps to actually get there, you know, something I remind myself every day is, you know, women having equality in tech is not about my views. You know, this isn't about, you know, reshaping tech and what Brianna Wu thinks is best. This is about all of us. And your point of view is just as valid as mine. And, you know, to that end, I think the solution here is so simple, it's, it's almost funny. I and mean, then the answer is to hire more women at every single level. 
you know, on the development side, you know, we need more women involved with the character creation. So we have less of this, you know, very sexist outcome. Mm -hmm. On the journalism side, it does not matter what games I make for women. If dudes are the ones, you know, reviewing it and deciding what has merit, I'm going to lose that equation every single time. I need women to go into journalism and I need, you know, like the institutions that make those hires to you know, take equality seriously. I feel like we're all in this together. I, I just can't say it enough. I'm standing beside you and the other women in the field will stand beside you as well. Brianna, I give you all the credit in the world and greatly appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I know, as we mentioned before the show, you've had many obligations that you've fulfilled in speaking with people despite all of this. And uh, of course, uh, best of luck to you with everything. And uh, hopefully you can stay safe as well as your family. So thank you once again for coming on and sharing with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap up this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. Again, a special thanks to Brianna Wu for coming out of the show and sharing some of her experiences and her perspective. Um, just some amazing stuff that she talked about with us today. If you don't know, Brianna Wu is a video game developer. She's also the co-founder of Giant Space Cat. So you can go ahead and check that out online if you are interested. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show, have some feedback, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. And go ahead and check us out on ljnradio.com and on iTunes. For everyone here at the Local Job Network, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care.